Thanks for tuning in to the Ecom Growth Leaders podcast. This show is intended to highlight marketing and conversion techniques taught by today's leaders in the ecom world. I'll be interviewing the top marketers that are influencing the market, making an impact, scaling faster than their competitors, and doing good. I'm your host, Samir Al Kamuni, founder and CEO of Fetch and Funnel, a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. If you enjoy anything from today's episode, I highly recommend checking out fetchfunnel.com and sign up for our email newsletter where I promise to only send you content you can learn from and apply directly into your business to improve results and scale. At the end of each episode, my goal is to have you feeling inspired and fired up by learning from today's top innovators, marketers, and entrepreneurs. Let's dig into another amazing story about a unique brand crushing it and learn from their success and learnings. Welcome back to a super exciting episode. Today, I am pumped to feature Mr. Matt Hudson and Mr. Ryan Terry. They are both founders of a really, really cool company called Build It. And it's a native app e-commerce powerhouse, I suppose would be a good way to word it, where they're behind some of the most successful native app e-commerce initiatives And we're going to dig deep into this, but I think what's going to be really interesting about today's episode is, are apps dead? Should people install apps or not? Should people, should e-commerce businesses be thinking about creating an app or not? Like what's happening in the app space and how should we be thinking about this as marketers? And not only should you be using apps or not, but what is the best way to get adoption? What is the best way to get people interested? What's the best way to utilize an app? And at the end of the day, we're all we all want conversions, we all want purchases, we all want customers. So should we be using these these outlets or not? Should we be using these channels and how can you best utilize them in order to grow your business? Cuz that's what we're all here to do. Matt, Ryan, super excited to have you guys on. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ted Beer. Would love just have you guys kick off just Tell us a little bit about yourselves and and how you got started and tell us a little bit about Build It. Yeah, so uh, a few things. Several years ago, uh, I was working as a senior manager in IT on an app called Velk and realized there was a problem in the market, right? The the barrier to entry for mobile app was too high. And uh, managing the budget was too expensive. Uh, it didn't work as well on Android as iOS, et cetera. And uh, realized there was a problem. So I got connected to Ryan um, and you know, started uh, marching towards building a platform for companies to build mobile apps and e-commerce. Yeah, I'd, I'd say um, spot on. Um, pretty much most of my career has been on the marketing side, selling digital digital advertising at uh, Walmart, Sam's Club, and most recently at Amazon. Uh, that was a few. That was quite a few years ago. But uh, I like to say I was selling ads on Walmart before it was cool, and really helping marketers understand. You know, there's not a lot of reason to spend millions of dollars of ad budget if it's not going to a great experience, and mobile is a big piece of that. And so, you know, when when Matt and I connected, and you know, we we brought this to the fold 
you know, really, we're really on that warpath to make sure folks understand the importance of having a great experience, especially with native app. So. You bring up a really good point, Ryan, right? The experience is super important. And we're always thinking about customer's experience, mobile experience, all of those kinds of things, um, whether it's on, yeah, whether it's on the website or if someone does have an app. I want to touch on that, but maybe if we back up for a second, mm-hmm. should should okay i've got an e-commerce business right and my business is successful and i'm growing maybe i'm doing six figures maybe i'm doing seven figures maybe i'm doing eight let's not talk about nine because if you're in the nine figure range you don't have an app why even (laughs) listening to this thing you should just go reach out to matt and ryan and get it done but if they're in the seven or eight figure range because i think that's a lot of our listener base so what should you have an app? Should you make an app? Should you be interested in an app? Should you even be thinking like, when does it make sense for a business to, to be thinking about doing this and, and initiating that? So I, w- I would take a layered approach to this, right? Cause we get asked this question a lot and it's an important question. I think there's three uh, sort of no brainer stake in the ground. You got to have an app uh, factors. Um, first, if you have stores, uh, people talk about omni-channel or now anywhere retail or whatever we want to call it, but the customer is everywhere. You have a store, it makes sense for you to have an app because they can scan items, they can get prices, and they're browsing, etc. If you have a loyalty program, the mobile app is a relationship. I like to call it marriage, you know. Um, email or web is dating. You know, I'm not guaranteed to come back. App is marriage. They really like you and they wanna come back and they're willing to get messages from you, et cetera. So loyalty program is another good indicator. There are people that are coming back. Uh, Another factor is number of products. If you have products that people come back for repeatedly, clothes, um, if you have many SKUs, that's another factor because if they, again, it's an indicator that they'll come back and they wanna shop for you. Now, uh, where it gets a little complicated is where we talk about the market. If you are targeted towards a younger customer, and by the way, today, millennials are 42, okay? Like I'm a millennial man and I'm 42. (laughs) So I wish we would stop calling millennials 20 year olds. It's not true. Those are Gen Z or alpha or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Millennials are forties and we have jobs and we work hard and we also shop online. So, um, you know, those customers, they don't know that Instagram has a website. They only know that Instagram has an app. In fact, almost nobody knows Instagram has a website. But the reason why that's important is because if you are targeted towards that customer, they will think you are not even real if you don't have an app. <laughs> um, so, you, so you do have to understand that. When you start to get into other areas, it gets more complicated and it becomes more about, do you have the best experience like PWA? Because those customers maybe only visit you once a year. And so that's where it gets a little bit, a little bit more complicated, um, but it's about the market. The only piece I would uh, I would add to that that was perfect uh, how Matt put it. But if you're a if you're a marketer and you're at a seven to eight million or excuse me a seven eight figure uh, e commerce company, you know ROAS conversion is obviously on the top of your mind, along with the making sure that you have the best customer experience as possible. My my challenge would be uh, to those that are considering you know optimizing their mobile experience, either considering app or anything like that, is think about. Think about the money that you're spending on marketing initiatives in today's in today's world and how much 
dollars are, you know, truly being being wasted on below the fold placements or, you know, on ridiculously high priced above the fold placements, depending on the sites that you're you're on. And know that having a premium shopping experience, um, you know, honestly, uh, we've we've helped grow, you know, uh, an app with a retailer um, from 10 million to a 300 million dollar app without using one dollar in ad budget. Hmm. Uh, making sure that you are, if you're, if you're brick and mortar, or if you're, if you've got any uh, way that you're able to find your customer on the street, making it easy for them to download, leveraging it into your email marketing and everything like that. So, you know, um, native, native for all the points that Matt had said before. Um, obviously, you know, depending on where your business is, it's important. But also, you know, if you're a marketer, it's honestly a great tool for you to to save some money in your markets so. and increase conversion. Right, your Rolex numbers. Yeah. That's when people get excited because when their ad spend starts to, you know, um, particularly like affiliate marketing, um, when it opens up the app, converts so much better. You know, customers love that. Um, you know, it's a balance, but it's important. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I want to talk about conversions and I want to talk about experience. But Matt, you just said PWA. Ryan, you just said native. What the heck are you guys talking about? What's PWA? What's native? What, what are you guys? What is this? What are you you know, we get caught with this all the time, saying acronyms, and um, <laughs> you know, it's just a part of the business. So, Matt, I'll let you take that one, and I'll just I'll follow up. PWA is progressive web app. It's a really fancy way of saying really fast web experience. And uh, the reason why it's important is because there are abilities to get your web experience closer to a web uh, to a mobile app experience. Now I say closer because I do not think that it's the same. I think if you're um, not a discerning customer, sure, it's it's much better than responsive, right? The way that you experience web, but progressive web app is really about making that uh, mobile web really fast. Uh, native just means that rather than being in a web browser, rather than be on Chrome or Safari or whatever it is you're using on your device, you actually went to the app store and downloaded the app. And what that means is it's using iOS or Android's local native system. That's where the native comes from to make it faster and feel really good. And most of the great apps out there are, are native. Got it. Okay. So now I'm thinking about making an app. This just sounds good. I, my business is doing well. More conversion sounds great. You're telling me I can market this thing without ad dollars and grow my business. That sounds really appealing. Mm-hmm. Should I just clone my website and make it a, you know, just clone my mobile website and making an app? Like we're talking about experiences here. I mean, I'm coming from two angles here where Two two very polar opposite apps I have on my phone. We talked about before we hit record was the Nike app, which we talked about sneakers, and they do a great job. The Nike app I think is great. This is not an endorsement for Nike whatsoever, but they, <laughs> they do a great job, right? The customization and what you can do in there, sneaker drops, etc. They do a great job. That's a very clear repeat customer fashion, which you alluded towards a little earlier, Matt, right? But then the other app that I have as a total opposite example is Summerboard, one of our clients who it's a one-time purchase. You buy this super cool electric skateboard, you never buy from them ever again unless you need accessories or new belts or new wheels or whatever. But what the app does is it logs my miles, it unlocks training, it unlocks some pretty cool features where after I sign a little waiver, death waiver essentially, then I can uh, unlock faster speeds and stuff like that, right? And it's a very cool user experience in that end where it just keeps 
it's almost like building a little bit of a community in a sense, right? And he's building some community features and stuff like that into it, which are really sure. cool. So those are two very unique examples, right, of, of polar opposites in a way. But they're both about re-engagement and they're both about using the product or purchasing more products, right? And so maybe I can't afford like the multi-million or multi-hundred thousand dollar experience yet. But I know I want an app. Like, where do I go? How do I? What? How should I be thinking about this as I'm building it or or looking to build it? I love that you say build it all the time when you talk about stuff. You're welcome. <laughs> it's very on purpose. We, the way we named it. I really want Ryan to talk about this one. Ryan, he doesn't talk about himself a lot, but he's a world class strongman. And you know, uh, Ryan, talk about you know the community of strongman uh, in in the course of buying fitness gear. You know. No, yeah, that I mean, a that's, a, that's a great experience. Uh, so I, I will, I will really quickly before I jump, uh, jump into that is um, I, I really, I really want to refocus like, okay, what is the, okay, you've got your mobile phone and, and you're, you're trying to understand like, okay, how does that affect the customer on the day-to-day shopping experience for them? Having the mobile device in your, in, in, in someone's home to shop is the closest thing to e-commerce 3D printing. What I mean by that is there's so many capabilities that a phone has now. Uh, the new Pro, the, no, the new iPhone Pro, literally people are starting to get rakes. For, and if you don't know what a rake is, it's where you you, you, you see those people at you know sporting events that, that hold the two handles together and they've got the really fancy camera you know, that they have so that they can you know, go around and be able to record people and it's not really bumpy. You know, people are spending two, three, four, ten thousand dollars on a setup for their phone rather than on the camera. Why that's important is, is because, uh, you know, Amazon, whenever uh, they, they perfected the idea of being able to shop, uh, it was uh, Amazon closet, right? It's very popular today for apparel where you could go into your closet and you could try on anything you wanted to make sure that it's fit, right? It's going to, it's going to fit your body. Okay. And so this, this goes back to Matt, what Matt was saying. And so, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been uh, a national level strongman for, for years now. And it's, it's what I, it's, it's what I love to do. Like, you know, other, other CEOs and other C-suites, they're running marathons and I'm, I'm picking up 400 pound logs, uh, <laughs> but you know, but that's what we are at building. We're, we're all unique and we're all different. We pursue our passions outside of work, but you know, for us in the, in, in strongman, we're, we're massive people for the most part. Like I'm six, five, 420 pounds. And so, you know, to find clothes, to find equipment that works for us, to be able to, you know, uh, that's that community, you know, we have Reddit threads, <laughs> that's just us in the community talking about, oh, what's Titan Fitness doing? What's Cerberus doing? What's so-and-so doing? And, oh, did they just release this? And so Matt's bringing up a great point here to let me leverage that as a metaphor to say, if you want, it, it, depending on what your business is, you know, you definitely want your that community, your, your target audience community engaged, and you want to make it as easy as possible for them to be able to shop your product. And 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 make it also to where they can use the the thing that's on them 24-7, their mobile device, in very creative ways. Augmented reality. Uh, people forget that that's actually a legitimate way for you to be able to see if a piece of furniture is going to fit in your home. Uh, and, and, yeah, and people say, well, well, that was not really a big deal. You're right. Ten years ago... The augmented reality was terrible, like because we we tested you know things at Walmart and things like that for specific brands. You're right, it, I agree with that. But now, 
the fact that you're able to take your phone and you can accurately within like an eighth of an inch be able to measure, you know, a wall space to, to put your picture frame on. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, the mobile device is a key part of anyone's life now. And it's very, very important that your shopping experience is as integrated as possible. So if you, if you are a, so Jim shark, you know, is releasing an app. And if you're a fitness brand, you often mix in, you know, the GPS running capabilities under yep. armor, bought my fitness pal, right. Yep. And they bought other apps too. Yep. So you're absolutely correct. It's about the community and finding utility and engagement that Ryan brought up, um, you know, in order to drive people back in. And I, I talk about mobile app being a relationship all the time. And a community is just a group of relationships. Yep. So yeah, mobile app, you need utility, right? You need something interesting, community. Um, and uh, I think that those things, bringing the peer person value and not just pushing your shopping is important. Yep. Before we hopped on, we talked about exclusive content. But I do want to go back to the one cringe, cringing moment uh, I know you, you know what I'm talking about, Doug. And he said, "Should I clone my mobile web into my app?" Right. Yep. So your app needs to be unique, unique content, unique community or engagement that we talked about. And but not only that, but from the technology perspective, people don't understand that web is often um, a little bit challenging because of different browsers and stuff like that. And so often you'll get a kind of weird, wonky experience. We've all probably seen transformer websites that like, you know, grow as they come in and you're like, what's happening. But in the app, it's much more uh, settled and subtle because the performance, you know, Apple and Google have built an entire platform around better usability. And yes, mobile and mobile, you're on the same kind of device, but gestures are different. Um, because of the environment of a mobile app, I don't have to log in over and over again. I don't know, a lot of people don't realize it, but a lot of times they're attracted to opening the app because they don't have to log in. Yep. Now they don't think about that, but on web, because it's connected to a server and a bunch of other nerdy stuff that nobody cares about, you always have to re-log in, yep. right? Unless you're Amazon, but Amazon does some unique things and they've got a ton of money. But most places require you to log back in within 30 minutes or an hour. Mobile app doesn't do that because it's all sandboxed to your device. Privacy concerns are maintained. Push notifications, they're available on web, but nobody's going to do them in their browser. People want, but they will accept them on the app. 40%, I would say, sure. will accept push notifications. Again, once somebody's willing to marry you by downloading your app, which I always hear from people, well, who's going to download my app? Well, the people that like you the most are the ones that are going to download your app. Well, it's only 10%. Oh, good idea. Let's alienate those 10 to 20 to 30. And if you're a, if you're a, a Groupon, 60% of your people are those people that come back. I remember the day I talked to Ryan and, and that he kind of decided to come on board because I spent a lot of time convincing him. He's very good looking and it's very hard to recruit him onto my team. But he said, you know what I found out? You strong armed him, I bet. I did exactly did. what oh, you I did. Six five with this guy. I'm up there. You can see it. I'm a pretty big guy and I feel like a little anyway. Um, so the but the light bulb went off when he found out that sixty percent of Amazon sales came through mobile, right? And if you ask people, do they pull up Amazon.com in their browser? No, they don't. They use the app. 
because yep. it's fast and it's easy. So if you make it fast and you make it easy and they want to come back, those customers who are willing to marry you, you better not alienate them. Yep. You know, because those are the people that spend more that want to spend time with you. So yes, there is a barrier. You have to get them to download your app. There's and, a lot of good ways to do that. Yeah, and yeah. I just want, and I'm, I mean, I, I interrupt you. I apologize, but one no, no, thing please, I will add no. to that is for everyone that's listening, and you're you're doing your research, you're trying to understand, like, okay, well, I, if I'm a marketer, which I believe that's your most of your audience is like, okay, I care about the experience and about conversion. If you care about conversion, it's very important to understand that there's metrics all over, like Satisa, eMarketer, you name it, to be able to say, like, okay, only twelve to fifteen percent of e-commerce sales come from mobile. And that is that is so not true. The real stat that you need to be looking at as a marketer is that did you, did you know that eight to nine out of every e-commerce dollars are influenced by mobile? Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference there. And yep. that's just kind of alluding to why it's so important is like, you know, okay, don't, don't look at this as like, okay, well, if I'm just looking at sales, 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 like, then, then the mobile still it's getting there. It's it's a rocket ship right now. Uh, in in a couple of years it'll be twenty you know percent or even more, right? But influence is key. If you have a terrible mobile experience, this goes back to what I said at the beginning. If, if I've worked in ads for years, uh, people have wanted to spend half a million dollars on on an ad that goes to a landing page that has no call to action or anything <laughs> like that. It's like what are you doing? You have to be thinking the same way. And uh, and mobile mobile influences where those dollars are spent, uh, either on a desktop at the end of the day or even so. We we talked about scanning prices, scanning QR codes, browsing. How many times have you gone into a store and browsed a competitor, or maybe you're the competitor, or hey, maybe they have a better online price, or maybe they have a skew that it. My favorite use of mobile app is if, um, you know, they're out of my size, because I'm kind of a tweener, you know, like, I don't always have, I don't always have a size, right. But I can kind of shop in a, mm-hmm. not a big and tall store, but, but not quite like on the edge of it, you know, and so but you can scan to say, Oh, do they have it online? Right. And all of those cases drive what ultimately you sit in your bed and shop, you know, I add a bunch of stuff to my bag, my wife checks out and buys it and sends it to us. So Conversion, it goes up against mobile web. Desktop, obviously, it's challenging to beat them in conversion because you're only going to your desktop to buy. Um, but it beats mobile web. AOV is higher. Customer happiness is higher. Um, and again, you're in the channel. So all of those things are important. But you got to have that native experience. I just want to go back to one more time. If you try to bring your web experience in, you're forgetting the fact that this is your best customer. They have higher expectations. They're only spending two minutes or less inside your mobile app instead of maybe five minutes on desktop. That means it's got to be faster. It's a different customer and a different use case, even if it is the same customer. So bringing all of the content and junk and whatever from your web, if you pop up those stupid, you know, subscribe to my email boxes. And I I know the marketers hate that I just said that probably. (laughs) If you do that in your app, you're making a mistake. You should do that on your web, not in your app. Because those customers are already subscribed, right? And they want the better experience. So they, you got to understand the differences. Just because it's on mobile doesn't mean that it should be the same. It's not the same customer. No, and, and I'm really happy that you said that because it is a really important point to to 
to make just because I think it's a misconception that happens a lot, but not only it's, I, I understand it's the cheap and easy way to get an app done. Right. And so I understand <laughs> that. Right. And so I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of service providers out there that like, that's all they do. Right. That's what they're like. Oh, you want an app? And then that's what they do for you. Right. And, and okay, that's, that's nice. Like, but at the other, on the other end of it, I feel like you're better off just not having an app if that's all you're going to do. Right. Cause then Agreed. it's, because then if I install that and I see that I'm uninstalling it, there's no benefit to me at the end of the day. I'm not, it's, and then I'm never going to download your app ever again. And now you've lost the opportunity to market to me in a more unique way. And then even if it is 10% to your point, like those are your diehards, right? Those are the people that are, are, you know, ride or die. Like those are the ones that are going to be with you and, and be evangelist for the brand and, and, you know, and, and I, we talk about this quite a bit on the podcast because a lot of the times we're always solely focused on just new customer acquisition, but like we end up ignoring where we can reactivate or, or get our existing customers to spend more money. But that 10%, man, they could, they could 80, 20 rule, right? They could drive a huge percentage of your revenue. And if you don't market to them in the right way, then it's a missed opportunity. But on the other hand, mm. I think creating these unique experiences can completely separate you from the others. We're going to we're going to have one of our clients on actually in a couple probably in our next like second or third podcast from this one called Fit as Fuck F I T A Z F K. Um but they they started as an app and as a workout type of of program, very unique. They did ton of before and afters and all that kind of stuff, and their whole thing was like to get fit as fuck, right? And so then they built this community of people who were getting after it, crushing it, hitting their goals, right? I know you guys are going to appreciate that. And then, but then everyone wanted to wear their brand, right? Because it's like, Lululemon doesn't mean anything to me, right? Like most of these brands don't mean anything to me where like, there's no, I'm not repping any proud moment, but then you rep this like, Hey, I, I'm fit as fuck. Right. Then it's like this proud moment, right? Where like, yeah. and now they're this huge clothing brand as well but they really differentiated themselves actually with the app and the community and this engagement first. And yeah, then they came out with after, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very uh, much so. Absolutely. I mean, I think they, they understood their customer, right? Which is get them engaged, um, brand it in a way that people will want to wear. You know, um, I don't know who they are, but my assumption is they thought about this ahead of time, right? That they knew people would want to wear something that said FAF. And by the way, um, we consider our framework, we call it FAFE, which is fast as fuck framework. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> fast as fuck uh, front end. Uh, so, because the speed is really important, right, in, in mobile. Um, but yeah, it, it's understanding that it's not just a channel. It's not just a um, whatever. It's, a, it's a, uh, not just another place to be. A lot of people think, well, I need an app because my competitor has one, or I need an app because I'm not in the app store. And, and that's true. I mean, you need to be everywhere your customer is. But, you know, what's more important is having that really good experience, the fast one that understands their community, that engages with them. Again, my fitness pal bought by Under Armour. Under Armour knew that the people that would buy Under Armour are people that would potentially want to be tracking their diet and their workouts. Right. You know, and, and workouts a good example, but there's other communities too, furniture recipes for grocery you know uh, there's all sorts of different communities in the in these mobile app solutions because they understand it's a relationship but brands have a relationship too and maybe you don't have a fitness app inside your you know e-commerce store but you do have people that care about you and that want 
to hear from you and buy your products and get your promotions. You know, I think about like Chipotle. I can only get the quesadilla in the mobile app, you know, and Chipotle in its own right has its own little community. You know, Sonic now has their drinks inside their in their mobile app that you can only get the, you know, the blue ocean, whatever, you know, the two o'clock deal. Um, Belk, the one I worked at before, they put a lot of in-app promotions specific. Um, but let's say you cannot afford to build a mobile app. There are some really good entry-level things that you can do to help you move in that direction. An example is you want to find out, okay, do, do people want app? Do my, does my customer want an app? You can build what's called an app clip on iOS or an instant app on Android. And an app clip will actually give you a native experience, a miniature version, just by clicking the link. So if somebody sends you, and I like to use TikTok because it's so popular mm-hmm. right now. But if I send a message to my mom who's not on TikTok, that's got a TikTok link, it'll pop up that full native experience right there like it was on her phone. And companies can now do this and they're starting to use it for things like scanning a QR code in the store and seeing a product or sharing a link um, you know, that gives a native experience that's faster to add to bag, that sends a push notification, some of those things, or curbside pickup where you get the sort of better GPS navigation going directly to the store. App clips are a really good way to see, hey, is my community engaged? And and they're less expensive to build. Um, And you can kind of see what does your market look like? Um, Putting up an email list for people that potentially would want app, Um, you know, stuff like that. Um, And again, getting your mobile web faster and seeing that increase in conversion and realizing that there's an even better opportunity by having this relationship we talked about is another good way. So constantly improving and adding performance and giving them the best experience. Um, And again, anybody who has gone to log in to a retailer that or an e-commerce site that they use and forgotten a password will know the value of having an app for something, you know, because you just simply don't want to. I only check my, I check all my banks only on my phone. Right. I never check my bank or my credit card. Like I never check it on desktop. Forget that. So that, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because but it's true, right? Person, do you you guys must do this? Everybody does that, right? Come on, let's all be honest. <laughs> because people feel like they can pay their bill really fast and safely in the native experience. I started that way too. I have all of my bank apps on my phone. Why do people not shop on the web? And I never realized it until I looked at my little bank folder and it has like ten apps, and I was like, <laughs> "Why is this?" And then I realized because I just want to pay my bill really fast, or like I just want to click it and pay and save it and. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Sorry, but, it okay. all worked up. Yeah, no, but it's true, right? So, okay, but QR codes was a good example of like, okay, they were too early for their time. Then everybody thought they were going to die. QR codes is just this dead dinosaur thing that's never going to, you know, just just never going to work. And then now all of a sudden, COVID just created that massive boom of QR code everything, right? And now we <laughs> QR code everything, which is, which is great. I've always been for QR codes. I'm I'm fine with that. But but guys, come on. Apps are dying. You know, Android is just allowing me to sideload the app now. I don't even need to install it anymore, right? Like, it's just not a thing anymore, right? Like, I'm going to be living in the metaverse in a year from now. I don't know if you guys have seen the meta commercials yet, but that's where my office is going to lie. And I won't even be attached to a phone anymore, right? And so... It doesn't have any employees anymore. So no. Yeah. Time. All right. Okay. All right. But they'll, they can hire, they'll, they'll hire all Twitter's people right afterwards. So it'll be no worries. So <laughs> I'm obviously kidding, right? I think there's a lot of misconceptions no. around this. And so we like, what, 
where does that lie, right? Like where, because obviously if you want to build that really unique, you are doing eight figures, you do have a very successful e-commerce business, maybe even seven figures, but it's a very good investment for you to invest in. Should I be concerned about these things? Like, are these real concerns? Are these misconceptions that are happening? People, uh, oh, sorry, right. No, no, I'm, I'm gonna, it's, mine's going to be really quick. Um, I think we live in a world where you can get any, any data that you want to match any argument that you and and I think with that being said, uh, I think a lot of people are looking at the wrong, they're looking at the right data in the wrong way. And and what I'm in, in to, to a great point on that is I mentioned before about the influence of what mobile has, you know, for um, but let's talk a little bit about screen time, man. Like, you know, what is uh, I I travel a lot for work. Uh, I'm sure Samir, we were talking before about how you you're you're the digital nomad, which I love that by the way. I, <laughs> I think you should maybe think about using that as like an Instagram handle, anyways, because I think that's really cool. Um, but you know, the, the average influencer on Instagram, and I only know this because I, I partner with, uh, I, I own a couple of gyms up here in Washington and I, I train a few athletes and, 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 and there's a lot of people that want to be that, that want to be that influencer. They want to have 10,000 more followers and everything like that. You know, it's incredible the amount of screen time that those folks have on average, which is around, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day, which, which to me is unreal that literally about 60% of your time is spent staring at your phone, you know, resizing your photo, resizing your video, resizing anything like that. Well, let's talk about your normal customer, right? On average right now, the average screen time for just the average customer, this is someone like we talked about, like uh, millennials like me and Matt, they're a little bit older, you know, alphas that are, you know, um, on the, on the younger side, it's, it's just under 10 hours. Uh, 10 hours so to say that to say that mobile app is dying or anything like that uh the the, re, the people are looking at that data and this is where i was going with this and saying oh well they're just playing like a um you know on their phone or it's not really you know important for brand commerce that's not true at, that's not true at all everyone is if they're sitting in the doctor's office and they're watching netflix on their mm -hmm. headphones or something like that they get bored with their show and then they're going to go look at like their their flipboard or something like that you know um and so it's you have to make sure when you're you're, you're looking at the your data around mobile like if you're seeing something that's like app is dying or anything like that make sure you're paying really close attention to what your customers are doing on their device and what i'm alluding what matt had said before it's important to know if your customers want app or not but but make sure that you're looking at you know the right pieces because you might be missing some insights that you really need to I, th focus. I think a very simple way to think about it is I can't think of the last time I typed Amazon.com into my phone. <laughs> yes, I shop Amazon all the time, right? Or any one of the retailers that, that I have. I can't remember the last time I cranked open my browser, right? It's got 200 tabs open on my phone because I kind of use it like bookmarks, right? And typed in somebody's name. Like if every marketer in the world knows that email is one of the primary ways to drive marketing, right? It's long lived. People are accepting of it as long as they like your brand. Sure, it people unsubscribe and there's some ups and downs, but generally that is the start of an important relationship. And to a degree, SMS, but people are, I think, a little bit uh, apprehensive about SMS. But if you think about email, you know, now think about mobile app as something similar to email. It's a reciprocal relationship. I don't, you know, email works because I can just click the links and take me to where I want to go. But apps kind of the same way. I can send a push notification, right? I can let them know that their stuff is on their way. I can let them know that uh, there's a particular promotion. 
if they have a credit card, you know, pay your credit card. Um, if you have a private label card or something like that, or if you have an installment program, or if you have a loyalty program, letting them know how close they are on points. That is an open uh, channel to talk to the customer that they have allowed you on, that they've explicitly said, let's talk. And so, yes, it's 30, 40, you know, I mean, depending on the, the type of uh, e-commerce site you have, maybe it's 30% or below of your uh, of your customers. But those are the people that have opened up that, you know, sort of conversation. And the reason why that matters is because uh, email is the same way. And so if email is your primary, you know, what's your secondary? SMS is, again, very hard to collect people, but it's easy to get people to download the app if you're driving it from the store, if you're driving it in your marketing, if you're driving it in your email, if you're advertising it on their website. You know, um, if you have a banner at the top that says, hey, we have an app, you might be very surprised how many will just download it if it's easy. Now they may not go to the app store and specifically look for you, although although many probably will if you if you are a relatively large brand. But um, but if not, they know you have an app. You know, uh, Lululemon you brought up, they've got an app. Pabletica has an app. Um, all of those um, have them, and and those are again our communities. So you know there is certain people that certain e-commerce sites that don't need one, but again engagement, uh, conversion, all of those things, community, the market, loyalty. Um, payments, all of those are big use cases. So instead of it being, you know, 20% of people should have an app, because by the way, only something like 25% of all e-commerce sites have an app. It should be more like 60%. You know, um, I, that's where I think we would get. And if people, if apps were very inexpensive to build and you could build them as easy as you could build Shopify, I bet you that the people would, ha would have apps and you'd even see a stronger drive towards them. Yep. <laughs> no, I agree. But, and, and, yeah, it, the adopt that's the hard part, right? Is I think a lot of a lot of businesses for for them to be able to get into it, to be able to build one, it's a daunting task. That's why a lot are the mobile Ooh. websites. I think we're finally over that phase. I think there was probably some service providers that were pushing that and and able to allow that. But um, I agree with you. But so, but now I'm thinking into the future, right? Because VR is going to be very important for marketers to adopt. I think AR will be even bigger. Right, you talked about AR super briefly, and and I don't want to go too down too deep into the rabbit hole because there may be some some naysayers out there that don't quite believe in it. <laughs> but let's be real; it's going to be a huge thing for marketers to be a part of. Is my app like a good way to start thinking about that transitioning into that? I know you mentioned like AR and things like that. We've seen that with the shoe brands. Maybe try on try on clothes soon. Ooh. Things like that. Do you think this is a good way for me to start? dipping my toes into that world and potentially have a even faster adoption of those types of things? Like, how do you see the future of that going? So it, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, right? Like you kind of need them to have the app in order to give them that really great augmented reality experience. Um, when Apple releases their headset, you know, you're going to start to see people inch into it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I think it's kind of like the hype cycle, right? If you read Gartner, Fortner, the, or Forrester, the hype cycle is a great way to look at things. We like Samir and me and you, we all love to talk about the cool stuff. And that's where AR is, right? Like I built my first AR mobile app, uh, no, no joke, like nine years ago. Okay. Because I'm, I'm a nerd and that's my job. Right. But people are starting to get to it. So you know, Meta has obviously put an enormous amount of um, sort of visibility on it and Oculus is there, but you're still up here in the hype cycle. 
Now, yep. the truth is that the hype cycle looks like this. Hype, a big dip, right, where everybody thinks it's dead. That's kind of where we are with mobile app. And then customer behavior shifts. And we'll bring my other hand over here. So here we can see it. Uh, customer behavior starts to catch up. So behavior is way, way behind the, the what the pundits like us think about it. So mm -hmm. AR is now getting into, you know, it's starting to come down here into the growth. VR is still up here, right? I played my first VR game when I was 12. They were talking about it then, right? <laughs> metaverse has changed things. Younger people are in the metaverse now. I still have yet to get, you know, a true Oculus headset. So I think we're a little ways away, but it will be important. And it w it's not going to die just like mobile apps didn't die. And just like the radio still exists, even though internet streaming is, is, is alive, right? Cable still exists. So anybody that says things are going to die, I always kind of get a giggle because I'm like, the radio still is here. Um, but anyway, point is uh, that we're kind of down here in, in, in mobile and AR is up here. Apple's going to get in. It will become more and more ubiquitous. But, you know, you're still looking at four or five years. Um, I think before you start to really have it as an important channel um, and it will be very interesting to see how am I buying, right? Like, am I buying with a wallet? Am I having to enter my CVV and how am I going to buy in a very easy fashion? Because even the TV, right? Like TV, I love uh, my Apple TV or even my Android TV. It's still pretty hard to buy, mm -hmm. you know, from there. The, the keyboard situation is problematic. <laughs> so I think it's going to be interesting. Um, but, you know, little ways away and uh and it will be important ar i think in particular is a great one because apple and google have enabled the phone to give you such a great augmented reality experience and so being able to see things nearby you know um maybe it's uh, uh stock of local stores and being able to see them in real time i think if we can get um the ability to fit clothes properly which is not an easy task but right. if you can do it and get the data behind it some of these things will become more ubiquitous, but I think it's still, it's still sort of inching its way into, into the market though. So. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think there is, th those are the opportunities, right? And, and that's what we're seeing even like in the metaverse, you know, the, the keynotes and things like that, right? The brands that are doing these very innovative things are the ones that are, you know, I, I think it was their keynote last, no, it was a Shopify keynote a year back or so. And there was that lingerie brand. Uh, I can't think of the name, but they, you put your body type in and it changed the entire website to showcasing your body type, essentially wearing their lingerie. Incredible. Right. That that's that's a really unique experience that's starting to go towards an AR direction. Right. Yeah, Which I think absolutely. like and they, they were showcased for that. And it, it, it was, I'm sure, a difficult thing to build. But like, man, what a different key, key point of differentiation. Separately and completely separate from this. But I love the sites that let you pick the model. There's not that many of them or even tell you the model sizes in the description. I think that that's fantastic because I like to call myself an oddly shaped body. You know, and I'm like, I'm not going to look like this guy, no matter what the shirt is. <laughs> Can we put a slightly bigger guy up there? Something, you know? Yep. Yeah. So what excites you guys the most in the year ahead? Either e-com industry, within your own business? Ryan, do you want to take it? Yeah, actually, uh, let me take this and then I, I got to drop off. I got to head to the airport. But um, what, what, I am very, what I am very excited for going into... Uh, this next year is uh, is is really 
doing what we're doing now, like with you, Samir, is really evangelizing the, uh, the product that we've built. And, and I know that sounds a little bit biased because obviously, you know, Matt and I are the ones that uh, got this going. But, you know, we have spent a lot of people called us crazy on the front end of this, which we love, by the way, uh, because they were like, <laughs> wait, you're going to build your own like you're going to build the Magento of app. You're going to build your own platform. That's right. We're going to do it. And uh, uh, and they were like, well, good luck with that. And we've done it. Uh, <laughs> we put a lot of our own time, a lot of blood, sweat and tears into getting it done. And, and so. Uh, we have, over the past couple of months or so, we have really worked hard to really just start evangelizing this product. It's beautiful. It's it's uh, it's being leveraged by, you know, uh, everywhere from, you know, the, the smaller enterprise to, to, to the largest ones, right? And so the technology that we're using is uh, is up to date and great. So uh, I'm really It's like we're unveiling it, I would say. Right? Yeah, it's like we're that. It's been that two new... years building it, and, and now yeah. we're finally getting to come out and talk to you, Samir, and, and the team and, um, you know, seeing where it can go and driving it into people's homes and lives to make their lives better is important to us. You know, and that sounds a little bit corny, but um, the story I like to tell is when I was with my daughter, I was shopping on my phone, QAing, you know, a web experience. And I was like, you know, one small thing that I could do to make people's lives better is remove that frustration in their buying experience that they're buying for their kids or they're trying to buy something quickly because they're running out of time. And, you know, being a parent, that was a big, important thing to me. And so it sounds a little funny, but people do get frustrated if they can't buy and if it's not fast and all that stuff. So we found a lot of purpose in that and we're excited to bring it to the market. We're excited to announce what we've been sort of hiding or sitting on for, you know, two or three years um, you know, waiting to kind of unveil it to the world. That's why we're here with you. Um, and, and not only that, but seeing how far it can go. Um, uh, you know, you talked about all the cool technologies. Um, AR is certainly one that is, you know, digging out that old AR VR solution that we built and bringing it in to build it um, for certain customers. Uh, better, getting better fit sizes finding what kind of ways uh, companies can engage. You know, we, we talked to uh, Decker Brands before. They've got great communities around UGG and Hoka Shoes. And what can they do there? You know, I think there's a ton of opportunity. Um, and yeah, man, we're super excited to just sort of fulfill that purpose and hopefully make some people's lives just a little bit better. But which that says a lot, I think, right? That that that's that's exciting for 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 you guys. I'm excited for you. But I think that says a lot about the the business and the and and the service and and what you know what 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 you guys know that you built, right? Because if if you have yeah. that level of excitement and your team's excited behind it, like I think that says a lot, right? And and we got uh, a great team. And I just want to spend one second calling them out. They've done an amazing job. <laughs> There's about 15 of us total, and uh, we wouldn't be here without them. So we get to get on here and act like we're really cool and talk to you and whatever, but truthfully they do all of the hard lifting. And so that's awesome. Uh, last question, any advice you'd give to other founders, other marketers out there that are trying to break through certain revenue marks, trying to break through that next ceiling, oh, whether yeah. it's, you know, the, the 5 million mark a 20 million mark. Yeah. Well, so I'll give you a small learning that we did last, uh, really, I think we discovered in the last year. So we spent three years, you know, either building the solution and, and the, the second year kind of taking it to market manually, sort of, you know, Ryan on the phones and the team on the phones. And this year, you know, starting to really market it and grow it. But one of the things that we figured out was that we were um, 
aiming it at the wrong people. And so one, some of the best advice I ever got in the startup world in regard to revenue is you need to be a Tylenol for somebody's headache, not a supplement. In other words, when I buy, when I have a headache, I go get Tylenol tomorrow and I'll go buy it. If I got a headache right now, I'll stop at the gas station and buy it. It doesn't matter, right? I'm going to solve it now. If you can be a Tylenol for somebody, they're going to buy it immediately. Supplements are fine, but they're optional, right? And they're not going to drive as much demand and it's going to change your revenue model significantly. So one of the things that we found out last year that was very hard to learn and, and other startup companies call it product market mix. Um, but what that really means is who should you be selling to exactly, right? Is it $10 million e-commerce companies? Is it a hundred? Is it a billion? So originally we thought that we were going to market to talk to the brands. But what we discovered is that going to the agencies that build websites for the brands is actually who we were tying all for. And that changed the dynamic immensely. So we partnered with some, some really great companies out there. Um, and we're in the process of them now and showing them how to sell, showing, you know, they have the technologists, but showing them the ups and uh, the ins and outs of mobile app. And so what we realized is that we were selling a Tylenol to somebody who we should have been giving it to the doctor. The agency was the doctor for the customer, right? So if you're in a startup that's trying to figure out how do I get to the next level, you got to ask yourself, who are the people that I'm a Tylenol for? And it's not as obvious as you think it is. Sometimes there's a doctor in the middle or a distributor in the middle. Who are you solving the problem really for? And we had a lot of inside knowledge. We had a lot of knowledge and it and it did not uncover itself until you know we kind of found one who was interested. They had a customer and then boom, everything changed. We went from a call a week to five calls a week, you know, and, and I think that that was like a a bit of a mind-blowing experience because we thought, oh, we're smart guys. We know who the market is. We did not. We did not. Good one. Great, great advice. Uh, Ryan had to pop off. Matt, I really appreciate you being here and Ryan as well. I encourage anybody who's out there, if you got an e-commerce business or you're thinking about getting an app done, reach out to build it, talk with these guys and, and see if it makes sense for you. Um, we'll have a link in the description for it, but it's it's B-I-L-D-I-T.co. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It thank was you, a Smith. really fun one. Fantastic. I appreciate it. Samir El Kamuni here. Thank you so much for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders podcast. If you are a successful brand that is crushing it and would like to be on this program, please visit go.ecomgrowthleaders.com/podcast-guest. If you got something out of this interview, please share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on social. Ecom Growth Leaders is sponsored by Fetch and Funnel, a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. We've partnered with 100 plus brands and generated over 500 million for clients using our trademarked Fetch and Funnel method. We have tons of content over our, at our blog, fetchfunnel.com blog. And also some amazing ebooks like How to Crush Your Competitors and How to Produce High Converting Creative. Thanks again for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show 
and it means a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, fetchfunnel.com, or follow us on social. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.